0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Televi. and Tonight I'm joined by Alex Dace from Mtumbo Wealth and Drikas Combrick from Capicraft Investments. If you'd like to send us questions, please SMS us uh, 41392, email stockwatch at or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Alex uh, Drikas, good to see you both there this evening. Dricus, if I may start with you, it wasn't a great day for the market today. It was a particularly Hideous day for platinum shares. Um, and I'm going to start there with one of the questions that came through tonight because you had uh, Northern coming out with a trading update, which didn't on the surface of it look terrible. Uh, and the viewer says, uh, please help me understand what the market didn't see coming, re Northern Platinum's update today. It seems like an exaggerated correction, or am I missing something? Also, why did Amplats drop more than Northern? Is it a good time to buy more or best to just hold off until the commodity cycle begins to turn again? Because what do you think? Well,
1: what's so, yeah. what it all well, I think it's more more about positioning. I think it's more more positioning than the results. Not the worst results, you know, worse than expected. Um, I do think it's positioning. I think a lot of the holders in all them were deciding. Well, typically, what you do if you if you're looking to sell, you see, you're giving that that last benefit of the doubt, waiting for the next results. And if the results doesn't produce any positive surprises, you dump them. And I think that's typically what happened today.
0: Alex, how nervous are you about what's happening with PGM shares?
2: Yeah, I'm a bit nervous to be honest. Um, I mean, if you look at the rhodium price, it's been under tremendous pressure yet to date, and you must remember rhodium was more than fifty percent of the PGM company's profits last year. Right, so rhodium is down. I think about a region of seventy percent year to date. So, and at the same time, palladium has also been down materially. Um, so the components the overall PGM basket is under tremendous pressure. And if you look at palladium, it's still trading at premium to platinum. Now, historically, um, other than the last six or seven years, platinum tends to trade at premium to palladium. Of course, also, it's metallurgically superior. You can use it for both, for example, diesel and and petrol. And it's got different uh, types of other metallurgical characteristics. So it's probably more downside to palladium as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is a bit of an issue. Um, We know the mining cost inflation is very high. um, And at the same time, the prices are coming under pressure. So you're seeing a big squeeze on the margins. Yes, margins came from exceptionally high levels, which wasn't sustainable. So, luckily, the, the PGM companies are entering this bear cycle of strong balance sheets. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of New when they actually sell now, they roll back against stake. They will be in a, in a small net cash position. So, at least they can withstand this, the pressure that's coming. So, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned that this business is going to go under. But there are cyclical industries, and this can be a deep recorrection. And the as a result, share prices can fall a lot more from I mean, I remember, for example, Impala Platinum traded about roughly about one billion dollar valuation at yeah. in the previous down cycle. Tw- yeah, know, it
0: was and, about uh, twenty bucks, wasn't it? Less than twenty rand a share.
2: Yeah, and that mm-hmm. went all the way up to let's call it three hundred rand. So, you know, this, these stocks are exceptionally volatile. And uh, but yeah, I think the fundamentals, of the minimum, I mean, I'm I i do not have a good grasp, but usually, PGMs I do have a better fitting than some of the other commodities. But at this, this moment, I'm a bit cautious. Okay. Um, you know, and a result, I'm not surprised by the share price movements we've seen so far yet today.
0: Maybe just one last word there, Drikas, because, I mean, if Alex talks about entering a bear cycle, we've had commentators on the show talking about exiting a bear market cycle for PGM producers. I mean, so, you know, there really seems to be quite differing schools of thought about where the PGM producers are at the moment.
1: No, so the BGM the cycle is a capital cycle. It's much, much, let's um, say, removed from the general commodity cycle. Um, you know, um, I think these guys started producing much bigger cash flows even before COVID, you know, before general commodities uh, picked up post-COVID. And they started the capital cycle a bit earlier. Uh, and normally when you see big mergers, acquisitions, like we saw with the RB Platts uh, uh, takeover war, that should – you know, it should be a red flag that the cycle is turning against you. And, yeah, lo and behold, that's what's the case. Mm. But these things take, always take longer than uh, than expected. Luckily, like Alex said, stronger balance sheets. We invested in a few smaller uh, operators, uh, which are increasing production, actually, still, um, but at very, very low end of the cost curve. So that helps. Unfortunately, some of the bigger producers do have mines in there that's at the high end, and um, if this continues, you might see them uh, um, scale back production from those, um, uh, you know, high end yeah. uh, production or mines.
0: OK, so quite quite worrying. Uh, the other, I suppose, noticeable um, factor on the JSE today was the rands going back above 19 to the dollar. Uh, i mentioned though that at least we're not argentina which saw its peso devalue by about 20 percent against the greenback today uh, but the question is uh, from a viewer he says i read a report or she i read a report that the predicted normal level of the rand to the dollar is now 20 rand i agree with this given the poor state of our economy due to global and self-inflicted factors however i'm thankful that the prediction is only 20 rand and not much more i would appreciate your guest views on the rand Alex, I mean, there's another school of thought that says the Rand is actually deeply undervalued and should be at about 16, 50, 17 to the dollar. Where, where do you sit, and, or if you have a view at all, indeed?
2: I think it's a tough one. Um, if we look at purchasing power parity, um, the Rand should be roughly about 16, 16, 50. But there's been a disconnect with the Rand and purchasing power parity since about 2013. And there's a few factors behind it. Uh, one is, of course, South Africa's GDP per capita hasn't grown since then. You know, um, we have been graded from investment grade to junk, and you've got gray listing, all of these things. The country has also gone backwards at an alarming rate over that period, right? So, um, so you can argue there has been a structural decoupling in the RAND from that perspective. It doesn't mean we, we could still have periods of strength, um, like we had briefly, and you know, we could have another period with RAND strength but I do think there has been a bit of a structural decoupling, and as a result, you're probably going to see acceleration and depreciation now since 19. 19- Sixty, about ninety-four. The random showed about roughly six percent, and believe it or not, between ninety four and 94, roughly until today, also roughly about six percent, right? So, but I think that pace is probably going to accelerate going forward, considering these factors. I mean, we've got the lowest uh, we've ever had uh, in South Africa. Our debt to GDP is the highest it's ever been. Infrastructure is falling apart. I mean, so you really not need to start seeing things happening that's going to kickstart the economy again specifically in, in foreign investors' appetite for South Africa, which is currently almost non-existent. Yeah. So these type of factors does play a big role. It can change quickly. I mean, for example, if we do see renewables coming, a trillion rand coming to upstream and we see the investments in the ports and terminals, what's called half a billion there, you know, it could change the sentiment again. But for the time being... We are also at the mercy of the world in the moment. Um, it's risk-on in the United States from a currency perspective, and with all these other factors, I think that is having big better of impact. So it's very, very difficult. Um, I simply don't know where the rand is going to be in, in the short term. Mm.
0: Drikas, would you be willing to make a call, or would you say the probability is more 20 rand than 17 rand, say? Um.
1: No, the, the problem is you, 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 um, you're comparing the rand to... Uh, uh, economy, the U.S., who's got a far larger debt to GDP, who's got rapidly rising interest rates themselves, which is, I think, about to go in the recession, into a recession themselves. So, you know, yeah, maybe they've got some of the, one of the cleanest shirts out there, you know, the best-looking house in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> but, you know, you know to who do you compare it to? Uh, you know, it's as bad. But pay attention to all the news flow and all the figures and all the stuff happening in the developed world. The developed world, you know, is those politicians and the, the policymakers are acting like emerging market um, participants. So it's difficult to be too negative on the rand when uh, across the ocean um, things are almost just as bad. Not quite as bad, but they've got problems of their own. So the difference is, is that some of our political risk is being priced in. It's, there's a, a fairly large Premium above what Alex just alluded to to the uh, purchasing power uh, uh, parity, um, which I, I suppose is around 14 rand to the to the dollar at the moment, somewhere around there. So that extra four five rand, that's all political risk premium. That's in country right. risk specific premium, and um, so you're being paid actually to hold your um, your funds in rands, and that's why it's a it's a carry trade favourite. We've got. Uh, 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 very attractive real yields, and at the end of the day, the, the medium-term movement of the rand, medium-term movement of the rand, is based on the independence of the South African Reserve Bank. So, as long as the South African Reserve Bank stays independent and hikes rates whenever there's currency sell-off, it will always be limited. So, I don't see ever a blow-off happening like Argentina or Turkey or something like that. Yeah. Uh, while we have an independent central bank.
0: Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not sure I concur with you in terms of things are pretty bad um, in the developed economies. I mean, if you talk about GDP per capita growth and if you talk about the strength of, say, the U.S. economy, but uh, very interesting perspective. Um, just on banks and financials also sold off a bit today. You saw ABSA's results out. Uh, Alex, uh, just with you before we go to the break, can your panel comment on the meltdown today? OK, it wasn't quite a meltdown, I would say. But it wasn't great either. Apps are down 3%. Netco down 3%. Uh, any, anything particular behind that?
2: I think it's important to note that the UPSA recently gave a guidance pretty much guiding what they've achieved today. So that's not a really surprise, to set of numbers. I think what did Spook invest a little bit is that in the retail component, uh, the credit loss ratios were higher than people feared. Now, upside is guiding there is going to be a recovery uh, in H2. And I think there is some skepticism about that, right? So, and that's the market, right? Everyone's got their own view about the future. Banks also has been quite strong over the last couple of months. So, I think a bit of a pullback is probably a bit warranted based on these results from UPSA. Hmm. But it's pretty much the corporate investment bank that did well in Africa. But the SA component, home loans, uh, personal loans, credit cards, all of that components under tremendous pressure and shows you that the consumer is, is really uh, stretched. And it's, it's very difficult to see how they going to recover soon. However, the banks are well-provisioned, well-capitalized, so they can absorb this. So I'm not too concerned. I do think the easy money has been made in the banks. From these levels onwards, there's a small optionality for summary rating, but it's more yeah. about the earnings growth and yeah. dividends, I would say, from investment case perspective.
0: Yeah. Because, because we did see a very strong July for the banks. I mean, Standard Bank in particular. And, <coughs> you know, they came out with a very strong trading update. But do you think the, the cold, hard reality is setting in?
1: Yeah, I think these are typical uh end of cycle earnings. So, you know, sure they're trading at seven, eight price earnings ratios. Um, but yeah, the earnings component I think is quite stretched. Net interest margins are at historical highs, um, bad debt provisions are at near historical lows. And as this as long as the longer interest rate stays here, you know, you're going to have more bad debts coming, um, for these banks. But, you know, it's not a balance sheet issue, it's not an insolvency issue, it's just Margins will come under pressure in the next 12 to 24 months or so. Okay. So, uh, but but the price for that, you know, seven eight price earnings ratios that I, I think they have already priced in a, a weaker cycle going forward. They're not pricing in Armageddon, but they are pricing in uh, weaker earnings uh, for the next say 12 to 24 months.
0: Okay. So, would you stick with banks if you did own any bank shares?
1: Uh, I, I would. I would lighten the load. I would decrease my weighting. Okay. There are there, there, there are some other opportunities out there
0: um a question actually on excuse me uh let me get to it um it's on Chemico, which is um Drikas I know we, we were talking with you before the break so Alex uh, I shall get you in a moment but the viewer says I'm really chuffed that I took a punt on Drikas' stock pick recently Chemico. it is now up 55% time to buy some more shares or be patient and wait for a dip in the price or would you in fact sell Drikas what would you do
1: uh, the, the, the valuation is, is quite stretched. Um, there's no valuation to talk of. So, yeah, it's not of the value stock I thought it was when it was back at what, uh, we started buying it, but in the mid-teens, yeah, where is it now? So. Chemico, Chemico. It's at the moment it's thirty-five bucks. So it's a great trade, but I do think it's stretched. Up if you want some uranium exposure, because I'm bullish uranium longer term, and I think you'll still be fine over five to ten year period if the bull case for nuclear players out in Chemico. Remember they own Westinghouse as well, or forty nine point nine percent of it. Um but uh, I think a better way to play it at the moment if you want some exposure is buy Sprott's uranium, um, physical uranium trust. I think the code is UUN, listed on Toronto. Okay. cross Physical Uranium Trust, and you can buy it now at a five percent discount you NAV.
0: Okay, Alex, do you have any thoughts on the uranium markets?
2: That's pretty much the Edric's area of expertise did. Quite frank, he's been looking at uranium for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. What, I've, what I've heard from what he said before and the likes, I've probably been the same. Makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. so, yeah we should run here and f- a fifty five percent gain is not to be sneezed at, so so well done to the viewer for following your um your pick uh drinkers. all right um there's a viewer says I have three stocks I'd like to buy, and would love to hear the panel's thoughts uh being Mr Price Group, African Rainbow middles, and Sabania Stillwater would buying these stocks at these levels be a good decision alex um so quite diverse there uh starting with Mr Price, what do you think
2: yeah. None of those, quite frankly, is uh, making me <laughs> excited. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, Mr. Price, I have a story to like, but they've got the acquisition spree, which I don't like. Um, yeah. And I do think some of the business they bought is of low quality and is going to have issues going forward. Um, I think in, in, in this African market, I would prefer to, uh, retailers to rather focus on improving the efficiency of their portfolios, working, focus on working capital and buying back shares. I think if they've done that, they would have massively outperformed any of the other shares in the market. But because everyone is going on these deals locally and offshore, they've destroyed value. Mm. You know, the ROEs have dropped. Um, I mean, cash conversions have dropped. Um, balance sheets are under threat. I mean, for Sheena, another one that's really. So for me, the price, um, I think it's a more wait and Um I think the phase eight deal for me doesn't, or oh, sorry, it's the stereo 88, 88, 88, deal 88 doesn't really 88. make sense because it's branded goods. I mean, Mr. Price is known for not branding goods. So why do you buy branded goods? Uh, power fashion seems to be inferior, Mr. Price. You know, um, couldn't they compete on merit of them by opening their own brand or something like that? So there's a couple of deals. I don't really know, uh, for Mr. Price. So for me, I would say it's basically lukewarm, but I'm not jumping to buy these mm.
0: things. Jockus, uh, your thoughts on Mr. Price? You're nodding vigorously
1: there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same camp as Alex. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too sites to get geared on the SA consumer, not not now. And uh, they're not cheap enough. Mr. Price sitting I think at a twelve four PE, which is cheap for Mr. Price. But come on, the whole market is much more cheaper than it ever was. You know, if you if you just go down the, the quality and Mr. Price's quality has diminished. Do not make a mistake. But if you if you buy some low quality shares or smaller cap shares, you can you can find you know um, five, four PE stocks out there. Um which might even grow earnings faster than Mr. Price
0: can. Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, then the other two shares you we were talking about, uh, was, I mentioned African Rainbow Minerals and Sabani Stillwater. I know we have discussed the PGMs already. African Main Ro- Rainbow Minerals. Alex, uh, is this one that you look at? Is there anything that would be
2: pricey? Look, it's not expensive. Um, but it's also, I mean, predominantly the biggest asset is an Azmang that used to be listed on the market. Iron ore, manganese player. That's a good business, as but remember, Africa Rainbow is more, um, you know, a holder to the share They don't only really have operational control of those assets. The operational control of the assets they have is a couple of, you know, mines in Africa, coal, and so forth. So it's more like a, a passive investor in that space. Mm. The track record when it comes to capital location, not great, uh, Africa Rainbow as well. So they're not particularly world-class miners like a bulletin or Anglo or so for example. Um, But you have to have that view of those commodities. Do you really think iron ore is gonna do well? Uh, do you think magnesium is going to do well and then you can make idea, a sense of where Africa Rainbow fits in that, in that mold if I want to have um, iron ore exposure buying something with my personal account not, I, I would think something more for Africa for me it makes more sense um, you know they're growing their profile they're going into making doing other things that's for me a much better opportunity than Africa Rainbow yeah uh, but yeah and, it's about uh, not really something that I, I would uh, yeah. really like especially the downside I think it's a low quality business you would like to have bunny in a bull market uh, as to a more.
0: Yeah. I suppose, and Afri, Afrimat has got a history of good capital allocation uh, behind it, um, whereas, you know, as you say, African women and might not. Um, I don't know if we've sort of exhausted the PGM discussion, but Zabani still water, of course, does have – it's going into battery metals. It's got a bit of gold. Drikas, do you think – you know its shares under pressure as with as, uh, as with its peers, but it's got you know maybe slightly diverse um, streams, even though it's not a wholly diversified miner. Would you like it at this point?
1: So, and it's got a metal recycling division as well, which gives it a bit of a different spin. So maybe I'd, I'd rather own Sabania than um, than uh, African rainbow minerals, just because I I don't like iron ore. There's no more bridges going to nowhere or skyscrapers going up in China. <laughs> I've been, I've been pretty vocal on not giving exposure to iron ore for the last five years or so. Yeah. So I'm still there until something changes elsewhere where we need a lot of iron ore. Remember the iron ore or there's a steel cycle, a recycling cycle. It happened with Japan in the nineties and nineties. The iron ore price was quite depressed because after Japan developed for three, four decades, they started recycling. They started the recycling style cycle. That's still to come for China. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm very bearish iron ore um, I like all kinds of different metals and commodities and stuff but I do not like iron ore
0: yeah okay and I suppose uh, AfriMeth unfortunately has iron ore um, if, we, you know, if we're talking about them uh, notwithstanding good capital allocation um, okay moving on uh, but talking a bit about construction WBHO has recovered nicely does it excite the panel? Alex does it excite you?
2: The focus on South Africa, yes. Um, you know, obviously, Australia was a disaster. I really like the UK business they bought. But I think the order book has picked up quite nicely. They are by, they are by far the best construction firm in South Africa. Look at their track record, the way they execute projects. There's been evidence they branch outside essay when they start scoring some own goals, unfortunately. So if you do expect there it, is going to be a bit of an instruction boom in Essay. Well, not say, but it's just a recovery from the low base. So, look at our uh, foreign direct investment of GDP is roughly about 14%, which is incredibly low for emerging market countries. So, if that mm-hmm. goes to the example of 16%, 17 18%. It will lead to some decent growth. And I think Wilson Bailey will be, there's lots of unlisted players in that space. Yeah. But I mean, the c- traditional capacity in South Africa has been destroyed. You know, um, we've, I think we've lost so much capacity, so much skills. We think about uh, ELB Group is gone. Revenge, pretty much the, the Granica gone, Group 5 gone, Stefanuti gone. You know, so the last, they, they do have a, a picking of, of of the quality staff that's still available in SM uh, I think they've also gone quite aggressively into buildings now as well, which is something I haven't really done in the past. So that shows you they're probably at the forefront. Um, yeah, perhaps the demon Rowbacks will, will benefit. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that's, but yeah, I have to have a feeling that we are going to start seeing the books, and we have seen some evidence of it. Yeah. But construction is one that I've got excited a few times in both past and every time I've been massively disappointed.
0: Yeah, I know. It breaks your heart. Um because, I mean, but it, it's actually a phenomenal recovery on WBHO's shares year to date. Okay, I suppose if you had to look at it over a longer time period you would see the value destruction that's taken place. But notwithstanding. Would you would you buy it? Um or maybe it's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm not
1: sure I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's uh there's an upcycle coming for construction yet. Um maybe some of them that has got exposure to renewables, etc Um I think Alex just mentioned Robex. I think they've they've got a bit of exposure there uh, Alex, to to renewables, etc Yeah. Um but the one actually that I'm that I'm punting at the moment is Avenge. Avenge. is trading at below um tangible book value. Not tangible book value, I think it's trading below cash. So it's a typical grain net net. And uh, you're getting basically more months, and uh, uh, what's the Australian business called uh, McDonald Dow? I mm. think yeah. uh, for free they've got a big loss on one of the South East Asia uh, contracts, but actually all the other projects are earning them good money. So if you if these you just look past the the big losses on on one contract, basically they're making money on on the other businesses, and mm. you're getting those businesses for free. So. Yeah, uh, maybe there's something I, I'm not seeing, but um, there's a lot of margin safety in the share price, here, Yeah,
0: okay. Okay, well, <clears throat> I suppose that was kind of an extra stock pick, but getting to your official stock picks this evening, uh, Alex, what mm-hmm. what would you go for?
2: Yeah, so I'm going for uh, Um They should be most likely give a market update soon, but certainly we're going to get results later this month, roughly about 25th of August. Um, so Greenrot does have a strong balance sheet. I do think it's got compelling growth opportunities. And they're also beneficial of a struggling transnet, right? So I mean was woes are going to be a to today benefit. Uh, if you look at the valuation of the business, specifically the ports and terminals, compared to some of its comparable peers, it's massively undervalued. So that gives you a sense of if someone has to come out for a takeover price or likes, mm. Grinroad will be there's huge upside potential there. And what I really like also about Grinroad is they've got optionality in selling non core assets. And 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 that then this will really allow them to fund all of the organic growth opportunities they got. I mean, they're looking to expand capacity materially over time. So they don't need to really raise debt or do any types of issues like that. So I think that helps us. So for us, we advocate you to buy Grindrod, any form of weakness, like we've seen of late, yep. and then uh, hold it for at least the medium term because it will take some time for the investment case to fully come to fruition.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad you picked Grinrod because I have them and I've been a very happy shareholder over the last year. Um, Drikas, how about you?
1: We, well, i going for a UK-listed asset management called, called Ashmore. Now, I know South Africans always get excited if they – um, quotes, coronations, uh, yields, but you get eight and a half percent buying Ashmore at the moment, eight and a half percent in GBP pounds. And, you know, GBP pound dividends, they're not taxed. So, um, yep. so if you buy it in the right structure, you won't be taxed at it locally as well. Just use the right structure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's cheap as chips. I think it's a, it's a good business. They've got an emerging market focus. That's why it's cheap. They've seen a lot of outflows the last few years. It looks like it's stabilizing. And um, if there is any um, return to the love affair that Western Capital had with emerging markets uh, that they had during the early 2000s, this thing will absolutely fly off the hmm. roof.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, that's fine. Through on- the roof. <laughs> Off the roof, through the roof. It sounds exciting either way. Um, Drikas, Alex, we shall leave it there. But thanks very much for joining us this evening. Uh, nice to chat to you both. Alex Davis is from Umtumba Wells. Drikas Conbrick is from Capricraft Investments. Up next, the close. Stay with us.